0: We reached episode 50, so this calls for a special celebration. Today, artist and engineer Uma Kelker takes the hosting seat instead of me to interview me. From my own personal art and professional journey to Etcher's own story, this episode will take you through time and shine a new light on why art has the power to make the world a better place. You can find more of my art on my Instagram account at Markus. but for now, join us as we discuss my journey and how I ended up at Etcher, how Etcher differs from other art brands, why and how this podcast came to life, how to stop yourself from quitting art, balancing work, art, and family life, and I will share one productivity tip to kickstart your day with plenty of positivity. Want to be part of the show? Then send in your questions or topics you'd like to see covered to our email at hello at, at your If you send us an audio recording, we might include it in the episode. Hi. I'm Anya, and this is Make More Art, a podcast by Etcher, meant to inspire you to keep on creating. Now let's hear from our guest.
1: Welcome, welcome. This is a completely different show. We are celebrating Make More Art's 50th episode.
0: <laughs> I can't believe Oh my God, time flies by.
1: (sighs) I'm so excited and honored to be able to talk to you. Thank you. Backstory and the inspiration. So Anya, you are the podcast host, Mm -hmm. a full-time illustrator, and have now interviewed 49 people since July 22. True. My aim of marking the 50th episode is to showcase the thought process and the podcast evolution why are you as you are an integral part of the story okay we want to know more and when i say we it's not it's all the listeners uh, who comment and don't comment uh, but before we go there i'm really interested in you tell us more about yourself your background and what for is- sure Uh,
0: So this is like, so I I just made a story before recording this. This is so odd. I'm not interviewing. I'm on the other side and I'm not really used to this. So this is like, thank you, by the way, Uma, for uh, coming up with the idea and for being so sweet and uh, adorable about this. So, so I'm Anya, as you probably know, I do try to give tidbits about myself throughout the, the interviews. But if you have uh, have no idea where I come from, so I'm Portuguese, I, I was born and raised in Portugal. I still live here uh, from the south of Portugal, the land of sun and wine. And uh, I always loved art since I was a little kid. My mom has the most hilarious, she thinks they're hilarious, they're really not the most hilarious stories of me as a kid where I would, you know, all sorts of uh, pranks, art related pranks around the house, like painting the walls and such like many other uh, art people do for sure. And uh, in uh, Portugal, when we go to high school, we do have to pick a field there. And I did pick art, I did study, started studying the history of art, then I fell in love with it. I then moved on into graphic design in college, because Like many other artists, I had no idea that you could actually make money as an artist. So I studied graphic design because it felt safer and still creative. After graduation, me and, at the time, he was my boyfriend, now he's my husband. We started our own company of software and design because he's a software engineer. And I was doing websites, like the graphic part of web design. I was doing logos, all, you know, graphic design, you know, I was still getting to to know the whole industry and practicing my skills um, until eventually I started trying to learn how to do digital painting because I had never done that before. That's when I enrolled in an online school to take some digital painting classes. And I eventually ended up working there because that's how, you know, destiny is is interesting. Uh, This was 20... 13 something along those lines 14 when I started working at that school and I stayed there for three to four years and while I was in there I learned a lot of I learned a lot it was four years of my life that I learned a lot about the art industry more about art about art business everything I know almost up to a certain point I learned there that school also had a podcast and I did host I was um, assistant producer for the main podcast of the school. The school also had other podcasts, which I was uh, helping as a producer. Uh, Yeah, we had a podcast network, so I learned all I know about podcasting there. I wore many hats, so I learned a lot about team management because I was uh, helping to manage a team of dozens of people. I did... um, a lot of podcast copywriting, recording, editing, podcast editing. I, I did a little bit of art for that school. I did a little bit of everything. I helped launch art courses. I, I was at the most part a community manager for the, the students of the school. Mm-hmm. I, I was helping with social media. I learned a lot about a lot of things which at the time it was really overwhelming because I felt like I could not do one thing, you know, jack of all trades versus specialist. So I knew, right. I knew a bit about a bunch of things, which right. turned out to be
1: helpful. And uh, this curious, is 2017, 2018?
0: Uh, this is because, okay, started in 2014-ish until 2018. Yeah. Okay. It, it is a lot of time and uh, that school was in the United States of America. So I was practiced, believe it or not, before I started working there. My, I barely spoke English because while well, I live in Portugal. And I remember this um, English couple walking on the street and asking me for the direction to the bus stop. And I was stuttering the whole time and my English was so rusty. And then a few weeks into working with American people. I had no trouble with English whatsoever, which was really helpful, that that really helped with English. Uh, And yeah, that was for four years. During that time, I did interview Darren Yao, who is the founder of Etcher Lab. And after I left that job, Darren uh, invited me to work as part of the team at Etcher. Mm -hmm. So that's, you know, I, I ended that chapter and then I started here. When I started at Etcher, we were only selling art bags. That's how Etcher Lab started. Right. And I was helping with um, PR. I was helping with social media. I was doing a little bit of copywriting, blog blog writing. So all my skill set became very valuable at the time because it was a very, very small team. So it served me well. And our huge team, I, I cannot tell you how many of us are here. I was building the team page because at the time of this recording, we're about to launch a new website for Etra Studio, the whole learning platform that we have, the the free live demos, the workshops, mm-hmm. and we're doing like a, a show just for kids, and it's growing a lot. And I was building the our story page, and I was putting all the names of the team members, and I was mind blown because uh, we're over twenty
1: now. So yeah, congratulations, well done, thank well you. Done. So this segues nicely into the next question. Um, mm-hmm. Definitely a lot of work, definitely a lot of experience putting yourself in places where you're uncomfortable and learning and growing. Mm-hmm. So um, I can understand why you grow in an area, why you naturally grow in an area where you're challenged. Seems like that has been a pattern with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, but why a podcast? Why did you decide to start a podcast of your own? Okay, So I did
0: have podcast knowledge, right, because I was working at that online school. What I did not say is um, when I started working with Etcher, I was also working with Steven Silver, who is the character designer for uh, Kim Possible, the clerks. Danny Phantom and because I knew him from you know back in the day that I was working at the school and he had an art talk and I also helped him manage that art talk and turn it into a podcast and then I was approached by Giuseppe Castellano and um he was wanting to launch a podcast but super overwhelmed how to do it and I'm like Mm. hey I can help you out if you want so I helped him launch his own podcast the illustration department Uh. um and I love talking with the public. I love engaging with other artists. I love to hear everyone's stories, how they came to be, because mm. it's it's frustrating is not the right word, but I feel a little bit sad every time I see so many artists struggling so much with the same things, not as in like, oh, it's always the same for you, but as in you are not alone. It's the same for many more people but somehow we manage to seclude ourselves from the community. I saw that a lot with the students at the school. And I started to seeing that at Etcher Lab when we only had art products and people were asking questions about how to better use them. And they ended up sharing their art struggles. And Etcher's mission was to help people make more art. So we had a conversation, Simon and Jan, the co-founders and I had a conversation at Frankfurt because every year we used to go, thank you COVID, we used to go every year to Frankfurt for this event, the social event. And it was the year that Erwin also went when I was pregnant, so two years ago or something. Um, And Erwin was saying, like Erwin, he's the creator of the perfect sketchbook and he's our teacher. He's a great teacher and he's been doing, he teaches in schools. So Good. I was telling him that I have experience teaching online and he was asking me, you know, how that worked and, and wanting to know a little more, more about it. And then he pitched, I think it was him who pitched to Simon, oh, maybe Etcher could do that. And I'm like, actually, that would be cool because Etcher is all about to help people make more art. So it's not weird for Etra to also, you know, huh. teach. And um, And I know I'm diverging a little bit from your main question, but hang in there. At the same time, during that event, I was um, showing our products to potential uh, buyers, you know, retails, and uh, I realized that I'm really comfortable talking. I mean, I've always been comfortable talking in public. Not, not always. It's a skill that I had to learn. So mm-hmm. I just just to demystify that, I don't want people thinking like either you're good or bad. No, it's a skill and skills yeah. are learned as you more than anyone know. Uh, so it was Simon's idea. Simon was like, hey, so you have experience with podcasts, you helped so and so building a podcast. How mm. about you do a podcast for us for Etcher, like we give you all the support you need. Mm. And you just kind of do your own thing. So would you be up for that? And the first two interviews I did were in Frankfurt that that time that I was there. I interviewed Erwin and Stephanie Law. She was also there and I interviewed them with my phone. That's why the audio is a little bit weird because I interviewed them with my phone in the hotel room and uh, we started shaping up the, the show then.
1: I see and that's why the first four episodes are released on the same day because it's probably from your phone and they were all diverse people geographically, but you were were all in the same spot. Okay, that that explains it. Um, I I understand. So if somebody, to play the devil's advocate, Mm -hmm. people want to know how people solved it. So why not a blog? Or why not pre-recorded question answers, written question answers? Why the audio feature?
0: That's a really good question. I think it's mainly because of two reasons. One, I feel like I express myself much clearer via audio Mm -hmm. and I believe that by having a conversation with someone, you get information and the emotion that you otherwise struggle. I don't say it's impossible, but you struggle a lot to get into a blog post. We did have a blog at Etro when I joined and I was writing for that blog at first interviewing people and it was fun. It was interesting, but I didn't feel... Like it was capturing the true essence Mm -hmm. in the struggles and the victories of being an artist.
1: I understand. I understand. And when it comes to timing of, of launching these things, of course, there are factors out of your hand. But globally, when this was launched, we were right in the middle of Black Lives Matter and a pandemic. Personally, you had just had a kid. So... Despite these challenging mental, emotional, and physical aspects of this, you strove on. So what was that seed of inspiration or that drive that said now is a good time and I got to take it?
0: Yeah, well, that's a on that. great question. So when I went to Frankfurt, back to that, it was January 2019. Right, mm-hmm. before the pandemic struck globally. I was pregnant, I traveled, I did the interview, and Simon and Jan, none of them were pressuring me with the pipe, with the deadline for the show. They were mm-hmm. like, hey, I know you're pregnant, I don't want to put pressure on you. At the time, I had no idea how much time I would be taking off after my baby was born. Now, the mm-hmm. government in Portugal gives uh, the women five up to five months with 80% of pay. Or four months, 100%. But I've always been very career-oriented. And even though I love my son and I want to spend as much time as I want with him, I did not want to not work. Of course. Because I needed to feel like I was capable of doing more than being a mom. Not that being a mom is not enough because it is and it's a lot of work. And I have a full-on rant about that uh, in my Instagram um, IGTV. But I I needed to do something, and and Simon, without pressuring me, said, "Hey, so the pandemic is starting. Would it be possible to launch it sometime this summer? Uh, how about the quote unquote only thing you do is get the interview done, and then we get another team member to help you with the editing, to help you with the everything else? So mm-hmm. so we take as much." off you as possible so you focus solely on interviewing and we assemble everything and you know you'll be directing how you want it to look like is that possible and i'm like let's establish a time so working backwards something i learned from Jan. so let's establish a deadline and then working backwards how can we make that happen if it works great if it doesn't work well no one you know the world is not ending so we'll just have to extend the deadline a little bit and that's what we did and it worked because Again, I had a lot of help
1: got it got it and I want to emphasize uh, this new motherhood and the language that we learn we meaning because I'm a mother and I've had to change my language and mm-hmm. there's this conditioning of language to when you said even though I love my kids I want I hope in hundredth episode we never have to justify the love for our kids that is so true uh, men go to work even though they love their kids, but it's assumed. It's so true. I think, yes. It's true. You don't have and the fact that the HR team understood their role to support you. So their idea was to enable you. Yeah. Uh, and they had full faith that if they gave you the support, you'd carry through. So that's what we all want. Um, it's not just mothers, even fathers want the same thing that they want to be enabled. Yeah. So I love that, hearing that story um so walk us through your interview process in the sense how do you the first thing how do you interview how do you select the people you want to interview
0: mm-hmm. okay I hope this not makes me look bad um I'm going to be totally honest because I'm all about openness so uh, at the beginning we were not doing our teaching platform right so i was looking at artists that i knew had something interesting to say or who were completely different from each other so i could get as many perspectives as possible because i believe that we're we're all human so in a sense we are all the same but we also have very fundamental different opinions and that is not to say some are right or wrong they're just different uh to give you a specific example, me and my older sister, were completely different from each other. We believe in completely different things, yet we still get along. Just if we ever have a conversation about something I firmly believe in, or she firmly believes in, we just stop the conversation. I'm like, okay, we have different opinions. They are both valid because you have different fundamental beliefs. Let's not mm-hmm. fight about it, not worth it, we're family. So mm-hmm. that's the same thing with artists, you know, people believe firmly in different things and, uh Even though some might be right or wrong, usually they're just very different and work for different kinds of people. You know, I don't believe in people saying, oh, you always have to start with line drawing to to create a painting. Mm -hmm. No, you don't. You have to start with line drawing if that works for you and the way your brain processes information. Some people think in tone. So maybe for them, it's easier to start with brushstrokes and and shapes. So, and that is important. To get out there because just like in motherhood we kind of feel like we have to justify everything i feel like there's not not kind of a similar pattern going on in the art world where if you don't do things like a, in a specific way then you're wrong and you have to force yourself into a way way of doing things and uh, it doesn't work for you and it just gets you super frustrated right.
1: i agree with you there is a place for two differing opinions to coexist as long as those opinions don't hurt people i agree exactly as long as you're not hurting anyone so you chose variety you chose differences of opinion because you value putting it out there that these two opinions coexist this is how you made our initial choices mm-hmm. then you said that educational aspect came to etcher and mm-hmm. then
0: that yeah, started so,
1: your yeah catalog of people mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, So once you've chosen an interviewee, how do you prepare for that process? How do you decide what to ask whom?
0: Yeah, so this is the part that I hope I'm not making a fool of myself right now. So I've known a lot of interviewers. I did an intense course on podcasting and usually interviewers prepare a lot for their interviews. They research the the person they're interviewing, they check a bunch of videos, they do a lot of things. I rarely ever do that. I want to know the bare minimum of the person I'm interviewing, unless it's an extremely wild famous person that gave so many interviews that I don't want to just make another boring interview. So for example, when I interviewed James Gurney, I researched as much as I could because mm-hmm. I wanted to know what people ask him, and it's usually all the same. And I'm like, how can I make my interview very different from what he usually, you know? Because why would people listen to my to our show, our etcher show, if if it's just more of the same? Unless, of course, they love to hear that James is incredibly sweet. Uh, so I usually, unless it's you know, super super public figure, I want to know as little as possible. So who are you? Where I just check your website and I check your art and there's a lot that comes through your art I believe like I, I feel like I get to know a little piece of you when I look into your art and I see what is it that you do all the time where is the consistency what are the patterns and mm-hmm. that gives me some ideas of what I'd like to know as mm-hmm. a fan of your work <laughs> and I just check your bio and that's more than enough and then i played by ear i start the podcast and i start with uh, an introduction as well just figuring out where you come from and then i start talking usually sometimes i talk about the person's art like hey i noticed this in your work uh, why do you make this choice or how is it working with this medium i i always try, try to put myself in our audience shoes because to make a good show you have to know who you're talking with i really want the audience to be to feel like they're a part of the show like they're in the room listening and not that they are outside of the window just listening to some broadcast i don't want that i want them to feel included so i really want to know i really want to f- i need to know who is listening so i can understand what they would want to know and i can ask those questions like anticipating the questions they would ask somehow does that make sense
1: that does that does and it ties into a question we got from Ma- marek who you have oh, recently interviewed Yes and he was asking whether you give yourself leeway to ask spontaneous questions which you have answered but the follow-on for that if you answered yes was going to be what are your guidelines so spontaneous still do you keep yourself within a guideline so apart from tell us more or less
0: your you know, when did you first fall in love with art and why does it matter for you? And at the end where we go from some practical tips to get some nuggets out of the interview, everything is free from form. So I know where I start, I know what I end, then it really depends on how the conversation flows. And I leave that completely up to the person being interviewed. And my job is to swiftly and gently guide the conversation so we don't get completely sidetracked or don't answer a question that was, you know, when we have like five different women are really good at doing this I I have a friend over at my house at this instant that is watching over my son where I'll have this interview every time we talk we have five different conversations at the same time we <laughs> never leave one of them uh, unfinished so it's yeah. more or less what I do with the podcast just making sure that no thread is left hanging
1: or trying to got it, got it. So I'm going to ask uh, uh, tough questions, and you don't have to answer with names at all. You can answer it in terms of characteristics. What makes a good interview? And if you look back, which ones were your best interviews? Oh, that's hard. That's a really hard
0: question. So the first thing, for, a good, for the interview to work, the interviewee needs to be somewhat relaxed and at ease. Hmm. That can be hard. So every time I start an interview, the first 10 to 15 minutes, I don't even record. That's why I say I usually interview within 45 minutes. I give time for us just to chat. Uh, Some people get very nervous because they're talking in front of a camera and they have a microphone and that really makes them stiff and that does not make a good interview. So Mm -hmm. I want to swiftly and gently as possible, make them comfortable and relaxed. Got it. For example, I once interviewed interviewed someone who really wanted to have the answers. Like they wanted the questions in advance, so I did prepare some questions. I sent them in advance, and the replies came, and it was it seemed very scripted. And then when we did the audio interview, the answers were very different, because as you're in the moment, you remember other things, and you just realize that. You know, when you're being rational, you say some stuff. When you're being more emotional, you say another. I have cried in interviews uh, mm-hmm. because of the story of the person I was interviewing was just so breathtaking. Yeah. Worst and best worse than like our my best interviews, I don't know, I can't okay from from the top of my head. So I just interviewed Madek. Uh, the other the other day. That was a super fun interview. That was uh, really fun. He's super easygoing. He's super loose. It's easy to interview people like that. I also just interviewed Pedro and that was fun too. Interviewing James was somewhat hard, James Gurney, but not because of him because he was amazing. I was more nervous than he was because I'm like, oh gosh, I'm interviewing James Gurney and I hope I do this right for the sake of everyone listening. So I was more nervous and he he was asking me questions, you know, as we were having a conversation, I'm like, how do you solve this problem? And he would be like, Okay, so what do you do when A, B, or C? And I'm like, Me? You're you're asking me? Oh, uh gosh, I have to think, what do I do?
1: So that that was somewhat hard because it was very different. That elevate the quality because it made it more conversational. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I if it's not to be a conversation, then why are we recording it like this. I mean, I can just send you the questions, you can record the answers and send it back.
1: Right. Absolutely. And 45 people in 32 weeks is a lot. It's a it's it's a big commitment and stuff happens. So what have you learned about the human mind after interviewing 45 after recording 45 episodes?
0: Here's the thing. I I think I became pretty good at making people feel it isn't comfortable, not only because of the interviews I've done, but also because of the teachers that um, we've brought to Etcher. And I'm also a host. So my job is to be there to make, for me, I mean, the primal goal is to have the teacher as relaxed as possible so they can do their job and to make sure I can connect the audience with the teacher as much as possible. Uh, sometimes I talk a little bit too much because I notice the teacher is very nervous. And Mm -hmm. when you make mistakes or when you're a little bit silly, the tension eases a bit. So sometimes I've come across as a little bit chatty, which is true because I needed the tension to ease so the Mm -hmm. teacher could relax and do the job. Same thing with the interviews. If you share a bit about yourself and you know, trust is like a dance. If you share a little bit about yourself, then the other person is way more likely to share a little bit as well. So I, I try, it's really hard, but I try to as fast as you know, 45 minutes for an interview, I, I need to somehow make that person trust me enough to feel relaxed to talk
1: right. like they right. were talking to a friend. Mm-hmm. Any other thing you have learned about people in general? Because you have this new way of talking to people. You're talking Mm -hmm. to multiple people. You're talking to interviewer, uh, (laughs) interviewee. You are listening to feedback through comments and what people have taken away
0: Mm -hmm. as
1: well. So, Well,
0: I also know you cannot please everyone. (laughs) So you always have bad feedback and that's totally okay. Even though it hurts a little, it's totally fine. So some people will love what you're doing, some people will not like it because they cannot relate and that's totally okay. I also believe that um, everyone goes through some kind of trauma even, even if it's very, very gentle or not too big of a trauma. People can easily relate to each other because they've been through some similar situations in a way, even if it's not the exact same situation, if it's different, but causes the same kind of emotion. Absolutely. It, it connects, it brings people together. I'm I'm really proud of myself because I'm able to start calls with artists and at the end of the call, they say, I was so nervous for this, but I feel like I've known you for years. And so oh. I'm able to do that through email as well. When people say, well, you do not sound like just another person from a company. I feel like I could go to the movies with you. That also has mm-hmm. happened. And that makes me really happy. And this is only possible because I truly love what I'm doing. Mm. I'm not one of those people that wakes up and says, dang it, I have to go to work.
1: Mm. Sometimes
0: I don't want to get out of bed and I don't want to work. But that's another thing, you know, sometimes you're exhausted. Um, But if you truly love what you're doing and you're talking with people because you truly want to know more about them and you really want them to feel at ease, not just because you have to get the job done, it it shows, you know, honesty, Mm.
1: honesty shows. Definitely. Definitely. And you, when you talk to people, I've noticed that even though the people who we are talking to are the educators and the instructors, 95% of flavor of the podcast is non-commercial. Because it's non-commercial, it can be endearing and you can connect. You are not, I didn't come away feeling that James Gurney was selling me something all the time. Oh, yeah. Right. Uh, Anya, so um, this ability to distinguish and where we fully know that Etcher is a commercial entity,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but this sector of it um, gives us space to be, space to learn, space to connect. Um, and I think people ap- appreciate it. Um, and this is just feedback, this is not a statement. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I appreciate
0: that. This was actually thanks to Simon and Yan again because they allow me to run the podcast pretty much as I want. They gave me some guidelines. They told me what they would like to get out of the show. They gave me some opinions of things that could work and they allowed me to fully experiment. The only thing that Simon said that I thanked him for it was, please just don't sell anything on the episode. And I'm like, this is the best thing you could have told me. If people bring well, the art products they use, mm-hmm. I'd never ask them to, but if they do, it's because they want to and because they truly like the products. And that's not weird because it's not like, oh, by the way, I use this uh, Etra sketchbook because it's 100% cotton paper and it makes for a much, no, we don't We don't really, you know, when you're watching like a TV show and all of a sudden they're drinking like a nice tea, but they're holding the-, the can in a weird position just so that the brand shows. That's what mm-hmm. it sounds like if you're trying to first force push something into sales. So, yeah, I mean, the, Prince, like the podcast exists to create a space, like you said, for a real conversation. And mm-hmm. at the same time, this is happening. Everyone listening knows this is from Etcher. You know, this is not an Anya podcast, it's an Etcher podcast. Uh, if, if, by, if for some reason I leave Etcher, I hope that's not in a long while, uh, someone mm-hmm. else might, you know, take fill in my shoes and, and just continue the podcast because it's Etcher's. And they know what Etcher is because, you know, we have the blog. links to the episode we have our links there if they truly are curious about etcher they know where to find the information it's there but that's Mm -hmm.
1: not the primary goal so yeah right 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 um i know your instagram account and etcher's instagram account and my instagram account asked people for questions to be asked of you Mm -hmm. i have one question which i will which is my own question, which I will ask at the end. But since it's close to 40 minutes right now, I would like to involve audience like you do uh, and ask them questions. Um, And they go to your art practice. So slightly talk about your art practice and then ask your questions. I find it really amazing that you have come up with simpler art. When I say simple, people think of simple as demeaning, but that is not how I want to showcase it. I want to showcase this as enabling. Mm -hmm. You're doing what you can as a new mother and a podcast and an illustrator, and yet create something that can be cute, that can be refreshing, and that can keep you in the mind space you need to be to do what you do. So towards that, people have asked, um, what motivates you to draw? Oh, the the one billion
0: dollar question. If, you know, maybe this will not resonate with everyone, but you know, when you start exercising, your body craves exercise. But if you stop for months, then you really don't want to get out of the couch. It's for me, it's the same thing with art as much as often as I practice, the, the more I practice, the more I want to create. Mm. And I've spent years without uh, drawing. And then I found myself in a little of a depressing state. Mm. And my husband at the time nudged me to do something. And it mm. filled me with joy. So I haven't stopped ever since. So it's it's essential for my mental well-being. Mm. It makes me happy. Um, I I realize that when I paint, sometimes I hold my breath. Um, I like to paint at the emotions I'm feeling. I like to put them into my characters. If people smile or have any sort of positive emotion when, when looking at the, the, the art I make, it makes my whole day. So I, I create for myself primarily. And then it fills my heart to see that my art makes people happy.
1: Understood, understood. So it's a two way. It's Self-motivation and then external validation also helps. Um, And what has been your biggest change, Lalita asks, in your drawing style? So maybe, uh,
0: thank you for that question, by the way, Lalita, maybe you're asking because I started doing a fingerprint painting as of a few months ago. So before I became a mother, I did a lot of urban sketching and people sketching because I loved to go to cafes and draw people who were sitting at the cafes. I met people that way. I come up with stories for them. Sometimes I accidentally hear their conversation and I think it's hilarious, so I, I doodle them and I add some, some, a little bit of the story there. I traveled a lot before I got pregnant with my husband and I did a lot of urban sketching as we traveled and I loved it. My husband likes to go in churches. I don't like to go inside churches so I would sketch and he would go to church and then you know we would just separate a little bit and go back so I that's what I did and I was trying a lot of watercolor techniques that I was learning at the time. And I'm doing finger painting because after the baby was born and then me trying to get a little bit of work done, I had absolutely no time for anything. And I am still craving it, but I'm not able to. I have no time with the pandemic, daycare is closed. I'm working with the kid from home. It's nearly impossible. Plus I do have an autoimmune um, illness called lupus that really acts up if I get under a lot of stress for a long period of time and it just impossibly, It attacks my hands, it attacks my muscles, and I can't draw. Uh, So I, I just cannot afford to be under a lot of stress. So I was doing a lot of painting with my son, you know, paint on his little hands and his little food and just you know have him experience paint and, and do some fun stuff together. And that gave me the idea of starting to do some finger painting of my own. I don't remember when Pokemon came to mind. I can't recall, but I just did a little Pikachu for some reason and people loved it. And I'm like, why don't I do the whole 150? It will take me roughly 150 days and it will encourage me to do something even if it like it takes me the easy ones I'm not gonna lie it can't take me from five minutes to a whole hour because sometimes I spend so much time figuring out how I'm going to simplify a complex shape so much it just the figuring out process takes the whole like 50 50 minutes and then 10 minutes and I just quickly do it so It's been the one way I found to keep me connected to something artsy Mm. while working Mm. at an art company Well, I see people painting every day so I don't feel a little bit sad so I can create
1: something. I understand, I understand. And uh, what has been your biggest struggle in art, only in art? Another tough question. Now I see how my interviewees feel. This is karma. (laughs) Oh, karma. I mean, technically or emotionally? Technically, and then let's keep the emotionally for the next question.
0: Okay. So technically um, I struggle with finding the right tools because sometimes I want to emulate a technique and I realize that sometimes the reason I can't do it is because I'm not using the right tools and I had no idea because a lot of artists do the demonstration but don't explain what they're using. And sometimes the tools are necessary. So I've, I've had a lot of struggle with that. And I, my style of drawing, so finger painting aside, my style of drawing, I'm more of a drawer than I am a painter. So mm-hmm. this little Pokemon thing is making me think in shapes, which is very different from what I used to do because I usually think in lines. Sure. I've been trying for the past few years to get my lines better and better. And I've been trying to use inks and all sorts of nibs and brush pens to see what, is, mm-hmm. what works best for me um and that has been a constant struggle because i realize looking at my past work that my line quality is way better but i'm still like oh i can get it better but i think that will be a constant and a
1: forever so right right and when it comes to emotional so what is your biggest emotional struggle
0: i think it's keeping myself in check so you know sometimes i just feel like i'm making art for no reason You know, how Mm. sometimes social media can be very scary and, you know, and if things lose interest, people lose interest of what you're doing. On bad days when I'm so tired, I'm like, why am I even trying? I should just quit art. Mm. But that's why I'm saying out loud to myself in the future, I'm making art for myself. Everything else is a bonus and that's what keeps me grounded and keeps me going.
1: That's right. It is a bonus and keeps you going. It's a medicine, yeah? Um, Anya, I have one tip to ask of you. Mm. And please don't hold back, even if it sounds simple. I think the simplest tricks can be most effective. What is one enabling habit you've learned over time? It doesn't have to be podcast. What is one enabling habit that has changed the quality of life or your happiness index?
0: that's really good thing another thing that i always i was working on in the past that i hope to bring in the future is i was creating a workshop or a seminar for productivity because i love it and i studied a lot and i'm learning a whole new world of productivity with now that i have a kid at home and i'm a little bit obsessed in finding ways not to manage your time, because I do not believe in time management, because time exists no matter what you do. It exists outside of you, but how to manage your energy. Uh So one thing that I found that really helps me is to get something important to me done in the morning. If I do something that matters in the morning, maybe I have no time to do anything for the rest of the day, but just knowing I did that one thing Makes Mm -hmm. me much happier, gives me that hit of dopamine and makes me feel much at ease and I can't allow
1: myself to relax at the end of the day. Do you get up? Are you an early riser? Do you get up early in the morning to get the thing done?
0: Yeah, I was always an early riser, but then working with the United States, I was working late, so that became a little bit muddy then i get got back to early rising i was at a, at the like golden time in my life before i had the kid i was waking up at six in the morning so i would start my workout at seven from seven to eight mm. and uh, that was like the fittest time of my life and the most productive Uh, But then the baby was born and I was not sleeping for eight months. Now he's sleeping throughout the night now, uh, knock on wood. So that's not, I don't want to jinx it. So nowadays I wake up between 7.30 and eight, two or three times a week. I have meetings starting at 8.15.
1: Wow. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Got it. Got it. Uh, We've learned a lot. I've been, I would love to chat more with you but i would like to keep to the time constraints of <laughs> your podcast too i can answer
0: them the questions that were not answered i can do um instagram
1: stories and answer them that would be wonderful um yeah. and i will share them with you too um but this has been inspiring this has been revealing calming yeah, too and uh. It's only the 50th. Where do you see going? Yourself going from here? You know what? I remember once someone
0: asked me, where do you see yourself in five years? That's a leading, you know, people ask that to, to, how, good leaders know how to answer that. I don't know. I, in the past couple of years, I learned that you cannot take anything for granted. And, there's no security whatsoever not in any job not in anything Mm. things can happen in a blink of an eye that changes everything you know I mean the pandemic showed us that so as long as I'm doing what I love which is related to the art community talking making art Mm. I'm happy I mean I, I do have ambitions for my life but the biggest ambition I have is to wake up every day feeling happy with who I am and where I'm taking my life. I do want to get my own children's book finished. It's been set aside for three years or four. I do want to create my my own stories and to share them with the world. And aside from that, as long as I'm with my family and I'm working with people I care about and the mission of the company I'm working at
1: aligns with my own, I don't ask for more. Maybe that's weird wow. but yeah, that's how I feel. That's not weird. That's saying that you're content and sorted out and that's a big award to have at a young age. So that is awesome. Thank you. Shall we toast to your growth and the podcast's 50th and to you okay. Uma for being amazing. And yeah. <laughs> and wishing you much much more, Anya. Thank
0: you. Thank you Uma. Thank you. I really appreciate it. And thank you everyone for sending in over questions. I was pleasantly surprised at, to hear that, so thank you. So what did you think of today's episode? Was there any particular thing that you liked best? Please, please let me know all about it in the comment section of the post associated with this episode at etcherlab.com forward slash Anya, that's E-T-C-H-R-L-A-B.com forward slash A-N-I-A. Or if you're watching this on YouTube, simply let us know in the comment section below. If you're enjoying the podcast, please help us keep the show alive. You can subscribe and give us a five star rating and review on Apple podcasts at etcherlab.com forward slash go forward slash Apple. Or if you're more of a YouTube viewer, please make sure to subscribe to our channel and ring the bell to get notified about our most recent videos. Sharing is caring and every little bit helps. Thank you so much and I'll see you next time. Until then, let's make more art. God, what's wrong with my voice today? I had coffee.